0: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Penham here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 2-0 away win against Tottenham Hotspur. Happy days. Happy New Year, everybody. First and foremost, New Year new villa 2020 20 2023, i should say is going to be a fantastic year for villa if it's going to continue like this nine out of the last 12 points in the league happy days i'm joined by mr mr i almost said mrs simon o'regan like not with that head simon don't worry and tom nightingale as well simon how's it going for you
1: very good perfect way to start the new year with a very convincing fully deserved villa victory so um yeah i'm uh, i'm in a pretty good mood to start off 2023 and like you say if if this is what we've got going forward uh, i think i think we could be in for an exciting future under you know emery
0: absolutely and of course mr tom nightingale has been away for some time i haven't been on a pod with him since i think it was november 13th and knowing tom I feel like that's been eternity for me and him not to rant for at least an hour. So Simon, we're gonna take up a little bit of your time to say the least, and I'll let Tom loose for as much as possible. But Tom, how's it going for you? Yeah, man.
2: What a way to what a way to
0: come back, what a way to start.
2: Um fantastic, I thought, just honestly, fantastic. Um thought we outplayed them pretty much from start to finish. Um and it's a shame. Because you just know after the game, not that this should matter to us as Villa fans, but you know that the, the, all the narrative is going to be about Spurs being poor or, or whatever. And okay, they weren't—they weren't great, were they? But a lot of that was because we didn't allow them to be great. I thought Villa were fantastic from back to front, um, and it's one of those wins, isn't it? it just gets you high. Um, so yeah, fantastic. What a way to what a way to start. And you know, now, like you said, nine points from twelve—not just nine points from twelve, but it was it? You know, United, Brighton, Spurs. All I think top eight teams um, certainly at the time that we played them, those three wins out of four games with the only defeat the only defeat being Liverpool.
0: Um, that what a way to start! Prom- very promising sign of things to come. Absolutely. Of course, we should mention goals coming from Emmy Buendia in the 50th minute, assisted by Ollie Watkins. Very, very nice to see Watkins not just try to take that and kind of pull something off to play it back to Emmy Buendia and to really just tap that in simply. I mean, you probably would have to say that Hugo Lloris should have done better on the initial shot. Um that came in just from outside the box. But regardless, you'll take that. And of course, Dougie Louise and John McGinn. What a ball from John McGinn. And the 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 touch and the finish from Dougie Louise put him up front because that was as clinical. As you like to see it and to be honest it's one of those goals that make you a little bit giddy especially when a midfielder playing so defensively at times gets that forward and tucks it in in such a manner it does leave Villa in 12th place comfortably we're four points ahead of Leicester uh, 17 games played on 21 points one point behind Crystal Palace and to be honest, if we really want to put that dream for at least probably maybe a seventh place finished as a realistic target, we're only four points off Fulham who have played the same amount of games as well. So interesting to see and it has nothing to do with Villa, but it's also interesting to see that Fulham are actually above Chelsea. But maybe that's put that puts a few things into perspective. But uh back to Villa, Tom, I mean, I wouldn't, I would never say this was a game of two halves because, like you guys have said, kind of pre recording, and I do agree. I always kind of felt like Villa had this game comfortably under control for the most part. Of course, it would have been maybe for a neutral, a pretty dull first half. But from a Villa perspective, it almost felt like a, I don't know if you want to say it's a war of attrition, but it was almost like Villa were very patient, kind of were eager to almost wait them out. And when the opportunity came, they came knocking and took it. I mean, aside from not scoring in the
2: first half, I thought it was honestly about as perfect in a away performance as you can get in that first half. Um, even before halftime, they were clearly getting Spurs were clearly getting frustrated. Center halves being booked, um, but I thought Villa just set you know set themselves up so well. Like we're going to talk, obviously we're going to talk more about this today, and hopefully more over the weeks to come as well. But how good is it to see a Villa team that? Every man on the pitch knows what he's supposed to be doing, and individually and also collectively, like there's clearly a plan, plan to neutralise the opposition, a plan for how to attack when we get the ball, even when we're playing a supposedly you know higher calibre team. Um, all this stuff that was missing, and it's just the Liverpool, you know, the Liverpool, the Liverpool defeat Boxing Day was a was a weird one to assess because I thought the Villa played all right, not particular, not particularly well, but okay. And uh, I thought we deservedly beaten on Boxing Day. But even then, in defeat, I thought I was, you know, that was my first time back at Villa Park in about four years. And it was great to watch Villa Live, actually, because we were so organised, even in defeat. And today, you know, uh, uh, against Spurs, I thought, I mean, we said it before, i Spurs, I never thought they were going to score. I know that Ashley, we had that one, Ashley Young, clearing the ball off the line um, from Harry Kane, but, it was one of those games where I just felt we managed it perfectly. Um, let the frustration build up and kept Spurs at bay. I didn't really think... Well, Do you see that stat? Like Harry Kane didn't have a touch until about 20 minutes in, something like that. Obviously, that's not the be-all and end-all, but it's a pretty decent... Shows that you're doing a pretty decent job of approaching the game if you're limiting their captain and their sort of talisman to no touches in, almost through the first quarter of the game. thought Son barely threatened, really, against Ashley Young. Um, and then to strike so early second half, and from the moment we went one nil up, honestly, I don't you, you you don't often get this feeling as a Villa fan, or I don't anyway. But from the moment we went one nil up, I thought we were going to win that game, um, and it, uh, never really in doubt. Like in in Unai,
0: we trust, eh? It, it's weird to have so much confidence in a manager. I mean, let's ignore Stephen Jared for a moment. I love Dean Smith. Um, before that, there's been a lot of absolute crap, but that uh, there's just that assurance, like you know exactly what you're getting from Unai Emery. And I mean, Simon, we might as well get this out of the way. I really think it's a, a non-topic, but nonetheless, people will talk about it, even though Robin Olsen did play well with the limited kind of opportunities he really had to deal with. Um, of course, Emmy Martinez was on the bench. I mean, to be fair, the guy's probably been absolutely hammered for the last two weeks, parting it up, living the lifestyle of everybody that they probably wish they could. And to be fair, who would blame them? You just won a World Cup. And of course, Ashley Young sticking in there instead of Matty Cash, who came on a little bit later. Are you, I guess maybe we'll address the Emmy Martinez stuff here quickly if you want to. But aside from that as well, are you surprised we stick uh, stuck with the same lineup um, as the previous match?
1: I was surprised that Martinez didn't come in. I've got to be honest, because I mean, I, I think it's fair to say Robbie Nelson has been shaky at best in his previous performances for Villa. Um, I mean, credit where it's due, I thought he, he did really well today. I know he didn't have an awful lot to do in terms of saving shots, but I actually thought his passing out from the back was quite impressive, which was something that I I thought, especially against Liverpool, I thought it was pretty I mean, dreadful, to be honest. You know, he, The amount of times he just put the ball straight out of play and did no pressure. But he did do really well today, so fair play for that. But for me, I, I think you've got to be Martinez back in for Wolves on Wednesday. I know this is the whole idea. Don't, you know, you ain't broke, don't fix it, but they're, they're levels apart from each other. And I mean, maybe I think there's an element that he's only had, maybe had two training sessions. And obviously I think it's, it's interesting that, um, the lineups that we picked for the last two games have all been from players that didn't go to the World Cup at all. And, you know, had you, Emery's had six weeks working and, and drilling them. So I think maybe that played a part in it. Um, yeah, I, I was a little surprised. And I would expect Martinez to come back in on Wednesday. The young cash one is, is an interesting one. So, I, again, I was. I was slightly surprised on Boxing Day that Cash didn't start that game. I actually thought Young struggled against Liverpool. I thought he got done with the ball over you know, over the top and behind him quite a lot, and I didn't think he had the best of game. So I thought he might have come out, but he he showed today why he why he was playing. And you know that that man, I, I think he he needs to have a drugs test because there's no way that the age he is, he should be out sprinting the likes of Simons. And, and performing the way he's performing, um. So yeah, I was I was a little surprised when I saw the lineup, but you know, there's a reason who I am. He's the a bit of manager, and I'm not. <laughs> you know, he clearly knows what he was doing, and they more than justified their selection today.
2: My uh, my devil's advocate thing for the the cash game against Liverpool is I uh, sorry, Young's performance against Liverpool, like being beaten over the top by the fullbacks. I think you could pretty much put any fullback in that game for Villa and they'd be beaten by a lot of the stuff over the top. Like I thought the Liverpool game, Alexander, Arnold and Robertson for all not really liking to, I don't really like to praise Liverpool as a habit, but I thought Alexander, Arnold and Robertson would have dominate, Looked like they would dominate any team in the world pretty much that day. Um, Um, And I actually think, to be honest, I was the same as you, I was a bit surprised about the team, but I genuinely think I'm at the point now, and this is nothing, this is not really to do with Matty Cash. It's more to do with Ashley Young. I've, I think I feel more secure with that with Ashley Young at right back than Matty Cash. Like, I like Matty Cash a lot. I actually really like what we did in the second half where we had Cash playing on the right in front of Young because I do think, like, Cash got a lot better defensively, but I do think most of his best work comes from bombing forward. Um, Somebody like Young, the way that Young shut down Song today, you know, the, the, the clearance off the line from Kane as well, like that whole, you could see that play unfolding and Young, saw that danger so early on and that is like the you it's hard to buy experience like that and I think maybe that's what like Emery is seeing at the moment um with the like with the Emmy Martinez one I agree with you I, like I was surprised he was I was surprised he wasn't in but you know if you're this is a dangerous comparison to make, it it's not this easy but like you look at Hugo Lloris, right played in that world Cup final as well and I thought he was very poor for our first goal. Spilling Douglas Luiz's shot—that's a shot you'd expect him to hold—and I think maybe I mean, to be fair, though, him.
1: that 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 is, that is Hugo Luiz. Though, I mean, it's kind of true, actually. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I, I get, I get the point that, that you're making, but if it was any other goalkeeper, they'd probably be, <laughs> you yeah. know, more subspired that. But, but that is just classic Hugo Luiz for me.
2: Yeah, that's fair enough. That's true. <laughs> um So, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. Really, I'd bring, I would bring. Basically, I'm at the point where as long as as long as Unai Emery deems Emi Martinez ready to come back in, let's bring Emi Martinez back in because he's going to come back in whenever he's ready. But I said sort of before the game today on Twitter, like if Unai Emery thinks that Martinez isn't ready yet, or if Unai Emery thinks that Ashley Young is a better shout at right back in a game than Matty Cash is, tr- trust him all the way because like why would we not like? Severnini is appointed. Like let's give let's give Unai Emery the keys to Aston Villa and let's see what happens and that's happening so far and it's producing incredibly positive results already
0: well look let's be honest guys think about think about I don't know how many managers in the past really when's the last time you've really felt like just give the keys to that manager I think that's the biggest difference because obviously Jared didn't let's be honest I, I feel like a lot of people were ready to for whatever reason and maybe at times I felt the same dean smith for all the good work he did he was never given them it, it, there was always di- several criticisms and nothing was ever going to be perfect regardless and i mean the list gets worse as of the further you go back for a little while so i mean realistically it's almost it's almost the perfect storm in the sense that we've kind of somehow under gerard we were absolutely stuck to a relegation battle and somehow we've gotten out of that and that's tom i'm kind of stealing your tweet from earlier because I did see and this is why I'm referencing this but somehow we have just pulled a rabbit out of our hat said Perslow sit to the side and just made a proper footballing decision so Tom thank you for that note first and foremost we've
2: just well we've just gone it's as simple as honestly we've gone from a really underqualified manager to a really overqualified manager and surprise surprise we look a lot better do you know what I mean like who'd have thought that having a real coach in charge with not only a great CV but just great reputation from the clubs he comes from and the players he's played with like who'd have thought that would pay off <laughs> alas i sort of can't believe how with Gerard. i know we're only four games in or whatever with emery but the signs already um i can't believe how well villa have failed upwards do you know what i mean like if if the Gerard, nothing disastrous happened under Gerard. thank god um and now with hindsight it's like was it all Almost, was it worth the pain of the Gerard reign so that we could fall upwards this much and get somebody like Emery? Like, I sort of still don't really know how we've pulled this off, to be honest.
0: It feels surreal, to be honest. It feels like we've somehow, with all this, I mean, it felt like the the behind closed doors season, it just felt so magical for so long. And then we lost all that magic. And it just within a four game swing, I don't know if this is too bold to say, because obviously it's different circumstances, but the World Cup break, Of course, different feelings from when the pandemic hit and everything shut down and stopped. But it feels like, once again, we've used a stoppage in play, a break in the league to really benefit us. And once again, of course, I didn't really pay attention to a lot of other Premier League teams during the World Cup. I don't really think anybody did. It was all World Cup for most people. But it just seems like from the early get-go, we've potentially used it as one of the probably better sides in the league. It just seems like, I mean, of course you're looking at your Liverpool's and Chelsea's. They're going to have more internationals that went away. So in some strange circumstances, the likes of Kamara not going, having John McGinn stay, having a a full starting 11, being able to stay there and benefit from that. I I think that's only for the better. And the one thing I will say about Robin Olsen, the, the reason I kind of liked him playing against Spurs, even though of course I'd always prefer Emmy Martinez it keeps his hands warm in a sense. We have Stevenage on Sunday. Realistically, he's played a game this week. He's going to be match fit. We, of course, know that he's in the mindset going into, of course, it's an FA Cup match against a, a lower tier side. But regardless of that, it keeps him in that mentality. It gives Emmy Martinez the opportunity to come in against Wolves and really just kind of slide back in. And I think, really, that rotation right now and how with how busy it's going to be for the next week or two, I think that's only beneficial
2: yeah I don't like I don't know it's just um i think it's a good point point. and then I just think um I'm kind of glad the game's coming thick and fast to be honest I'm glad we've got' I'm, I'm glad we've got another league game before because we've got wolves right yes um I'm glad we've got another league game before Stevenage because like that's the kind of game that you want to roll you want to roll off you know really and go straight into the next one um honestly i just I, th- I said this a while back but I'm just I said this after Brighton or united I think it's just
0: nice to be wa- enjoying watching villa again. Really? Kind of simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I do agree with that. And I, I think the one thing, like, kind of going back to the game in particular, and, I mean, Simon, I'll throw this at you. Of course, I've been someone who's criticized John McGinn in the past, but, I mean, and I've seen a few different people that are non-Villa fans kind of tweeting it out uh, earlier today. It seems like the further he gets forward, the better he's really been. And, I mean, today was a perfect, perfect example, of that wasn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've said for quite a long time that I don't think Bill have been using McGinn properly. You, you look at how how he plays for Scotland and the position that he he starts up with them, and now and again, I've always kind of said as well his goal scoring record at Scotland. Now, admittedly, at international level, you know, you're not playing, you know, in qualifies, you're not really playing against the same quality that you played against in the in the Premier League, so. It's, you can't compare the goal records, necessarily like that. But there's a reason Scotland have him playing in that further forward position. Now he's he's probably not someone that you'd want like in your classic number ten role. because so I don't think he's got those capabilities. But I think he just looks so much better further up the pitch. I think he he can break into the box nicely, and, and he he's capable of picking the pass out, like we saw uh, for the Louise goal, which, which was just a beautiful goal. Everything about it was, was amazing from the way we won the ball back to uh, the ball from McGinn and the touch and the finish. It, that, that's the goal that, if Tottenham score that and Harry Kane's on the end of that, you're not here at the end of it for about the next two hours on Sky Sports after the game. But like Tom mentioned earlier, we, we know what the narrative's going to be from this. But um, again, I, I thought at times today there were elements to his game which we found frustrating in terms of that he... Sometimes I think he's still a bit careless with his passing and can give it away in, in positions that, that aren't ideal to lose the ball. But I, I certainly think since since Gerrard's gone, really, he, he's looked a lot better. Even, uh, I think, uh, Aaron the Brentford game, McGinn didn't start that, but he came on, and came on higher up the pitch and looked better. And he's looked better in uh, he, when he came on against United. He looked better. He obviously started against Brighton and won the penalty from being in a position where he's further at the pitch and he's able to get on the end of things. So, uh, you know, we, I, I think certainly at the start of the season, the, you know, the first couple of months, I, I think we were quite supportive of again on here. I think we, it was obvious that he wasn't playing well, but I think there was an element of he wasn't he wasn't being played in the right area. And I, I, I've always thought, if you, if a manager is picking a player out of position or in a position that doesn't suit them, it's difficult to really lay into the player. It it was like um, when last season under Gerrard, when Douglas Louise was playing as the holding midfield in that midfield three, and so many people would be giving him stick on Twitter. And I always felt if you you signed a left-back and played him up front and he didn't do well, you wouldn't blame the left-back for not doing well. So I always find it hard to have midfielders when they've been played in the position that didn't suit them, this sort of seem it seems like it's okay to really have a go at them and criticise them. So it's, it's good to see begin sort of getting back to his old self. You know, the, the player that we signed for the first couple of years.
0: Um, so yeah, you know, credit to Emery once again. Absolutely, and Tom, I'll throw this your way. Of course, we don't know any of the internal discussions going in um, inside the football club, so we won't pretend to, of course, but. It almost seems like as soon as Emery's come in, at least for me, given the way that McGinn's been playing as of late, it's almost like, you know what, don't worry about the captaincy stuff, just play the game. Do you kind of get that vibe as well? Yeah, I do. And I think it's like, it's it all comes down to
2: being a good manager versus being a bad manager or being at least... Uh, being an experienced manager versus being an inexperienced or under experienced manager because like Unai Emery does not strike me as the kind of guy who um, gives sort of how should I put this gives like backhanded compliments whereas I feel like Steven Gerrard was that kind of guy he was always like Gerrard was even when he was kind of praising players post game he often had a way of like slanting it towards the negative do you know what I mean like oh he did he was better than last week or like that kind of vibe. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, that's not conducive to in a sport that is so much about confidence and form. You need to be building players up both mentally and physically rather than tearing them down. I think we're seeing that already. Like um, Emery's had come with a reputation for getting the best out of players and getting the best out of like, look at what he's done. Look at what he did with like, Villarreal who no disrespect to them, but they're not. Nobody's labeling Villarreal as a top Spanish club, are they? But they've overperformed. And that's about lots of things. Unity, confidence, the tactical work on the training ground, like all of this. And we, we get, we're getting all of that package, I think. Um and we're seeing the rewards of it already. So yeah, McGinn's performance, you know, McGinn's performance is, is a good one. I think he's been it's a good example. He's been great. I also think another shout out as well, um, another player that we a lot of Villa's fan base were understandably quite down on for a while after his injury, Esri Konza. Um, Here's another one I think is a good example of the confidence aspect. Like, It looks pretty much back to the player. You know, It was not long ago that we were saying that Esri concert should be in the England squad. That really was not long ago in the grand scheme of things. I'm not necessarily saying I think that he should be there over anybody else. Can't bother to get into that, to be frank. Don't really care. Um, what I do care about is the fact that he's back to the sort of solid, looking like the solid defender that we know he is really. Like his drop-off in form was remarkable for a lot of reasons. Um, and I think there was a lot of obviously came back, he came back from injury and maybe that was affecting him, but I think massive was the confidence side. Um, and I just, I, you get the feeling from afar, don't you? Like as a player, especially for a club like Villa, to be quite frank with a manager like Emery, how can you not be... Inspired, playing for a manager like Unai Emery.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say on Cons as well as the confidence. He looks like he's got his aggression back. Mm. You know, you saw today like he was sort of feisting up for the fight, and he, that that was the Cons especially in that lockdown season that, that you saw. Not only a good like sort of composed defender who can read the game well, but someone who got stuck in and you know wasn't afraid, you know, to, to get get aggressive with the opponents and get physical. And he's the drop-off in form. He he looks weak, and like you say, he looked drained of all confidence. But you, you see him the last few weeks, um, you know, especially today up against Harry Kane. He let's you know, let's not him beat around him the bush. He's a world-class footballer. Son is a world-class footballer. But he he was he was happy to get stuck into them. You know, he'd get a bit of argy-bargy and stuff like that. So it's nice to see that that aggression because so I think you need that as a top centre back. You need to be aggressive. And um, yeah, so it's really good to see that come back to his game.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then just uh, like talking about Emery and like the difference he's made, I don't, I don't know where you were going to go next call, but can we just talk about like what one battle I was really impressed with Villa winning today was the, uh, Louise and Kamara against Hoiberg and Basuma in midfield. Um, I thought I, cause I'm a big, I like Hoiberg. I think he's a great player, like really underrated. And it's partly because the position that he plays like that unglamorous kind of player. Um, So that's where I thought the game might be won and lost, even more than the sort of, can we shackle Kane and Son? And I just thought like Kamara, I mean, Kamara and Louise together, I think is like a midfield duo. Like if we can keep that together, genuinely the sky is the limit, I think for them as a a partnership. They're two just incredibly classy footballers. Rubika Kamara though, like... Seeing him live, uh, they're like, oh, people are going to hate this because they go and watch Villa every week and like, great. But uh, like for me going back and watching Villa for the first time in, 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 in ages, like genuine privilege to watch Bubakar Kakamara play live. He- he's so good, so good. And he's like, he- he's the sort of player, um, what's the word? Equivalent of Emery, I guess, in terms of what I'm talking about. Like we've got an overqualified manager now whereas we had an underqualified manager before we've got an overqualified central midfield now like this said like Bubakar kamara i can't i I sort of can't believe that he came to villa so like one thing i have to say don't want to talk about steven gerrard too much because that guy just uh, seriously pissed me off over the last year or so for many reasons but i just say stevie if you happen to be listening thank you so much for going to Bubakar kamara's house uh, in France, and convincing him to sign for Villa, because Kamara came out afterwards and was like, "The personal touch from Gerard really went a long way to getting me to sign for Villa." So thanks, Stevie. That was actually a really nice one. It's, uh, it doesn't make up for all of the other, all the negative stuff, but yeah, uh, that's a pretty big plus point to get out the Gerard reign, because in Kamara, like, I hope that we can if we can if we can start to fulfil our potential in the second half of this season. Because don't forget, like, there's a long way to go. Not even halfway yet. Um, not necessarily talking about like we need to qualify for Europe this year or whatever, but if we can at least show enough progress to players like Kamara who are already at the club and to players like Kamara who are at other clubs maybe fancying a move to the Premier League. um, If we can be one of those clubs and be an attractive project for more more players of the calibre of Kamara, that is a huge, huge win for us as a football club because he's, I genuinely think from what we've seen from Kamara so far and today, today I genuinely thought might've been his most impressive performance yet. And he looks like he could walk into, you know, not necessarily a Man City midfield with Rodri or your Liverpool's with Thiago, Um, but certainly the rung below that, the sort of like top six, top eight midfield, he would just walk into any team. Um, And I'm so, one of the main things I'm excited about with Villa is seeing his part, him and Luis. I know it's going to be nice. We're going to have Jacob Ramsey coming back. And so it's going to be an interesting to see how we fit the pl- the sort of more advanced midfielders in, which I assume is where we'll look to integrate Ramsey back on his back from an injury. But that Louise and Kamara partnership genuinely sky's the limit for me. And it's a pleasure to watch.
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better? Well,
0: It's actually mental, to be honest. I completely forgot that Jacob Rams even existed for the last like X number of weeks and he still has to come back, which makes me even more giddy. But you are right, Tom. I, I think it's it, it's a good, I feel like Kamara can almost become that soundboard and that kind of example of, okay, I went to Villa, I worked my socks off. Of course, we all know we have to admit that Villa is not his end game. Of course, we, we know he wants to be to, at the very, very top. And that's fair enough. Everyone wants to do that. But I feel like bringing in an overqualified manager like Unai Emery can definitely have a higher potential of keeping him around for even that little bit longer if the success and I guess the enjoyment is there to be around the football club. I I think that's the biggest thing, and I feel like that can happen. So whether he was only meant to come in for a season or two, I almost wonder if the trajectory under Unai Emery with Villa keeps improving the way it is of course like we all know it's only four games a very short sample size but it does make you wonder are we able to maybe keep him around that a little bit longer to have that a little bit more success until we're very very sad when he leaves because we all know it happens at villa we've had too many heartbreaks in the past and it just happens we have to admit that but regardless of that uh fair play tom because the Bubakar kamara dougie louise conversation is where i want to take this because i feel like it would have been extremely sacrilege not to talk about them. I would say the one thing uh, before I send this over to Simon, I have to say about Dougie Louise is how much better he looks with someone who is an out and out defensive minded player right beside him. It frees him up so much more. It gives him an opportunity, scores a goal today. It doesn't matter if uh, he isn't in the uh, Villa um, super couple relationship anymore or anything like that. Sorry, Dougie, to hear about that unfortunate news. Um, but regardless of that, it just frees him up to be such a different player and to really allow him to be that caliber of player that we've been waiting for since we evidently signed him several seasons ago now it almost it almost feels like yesterday that's come in but to bring in some stats here to give a little bit of context to Kamara's game against Spurs uh, today 68 touches 44 passes completed three interceptions three tackles one one successful dribble one aerial duel one one key pass um, of course, the official Villa account saying, what a player. Um, but all I can ever say to any defensive midfielder of the last decade or so um, that have worn the Clarendon blue shirt, shout out you or whoever else you want to throw in there, um, that comes to mind that has been absolutely rubbish and just never worked out, uh, worked out eat your heart out. Simon, take it away.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's, he's just outstanding, isn't he? I mean... <laughs> The, the thing that I really noticed with him is that, he, that that sort of stands him out from other defensive midfielders that, that you see. Is that he's not just someone, he's not just like a midfield destroyer. He's not even actually even that because he, he's not like somebody who goes flying into challenges or stuff. He's just, he's very clever at nicking the ball off people or just on like nipping in, in front of them to get the ball. But the biggest thing is his, his ability on the ball, his range of passing is outstanding. I, I mean, Tom, you just mentioned as well, watching him live in that Liverpool game. The second half, especially, I thought he was excellent in that. And, and again, today, he's, he's not he's not like um, a Dendonka who is just going to win the ball and then just give it off to someone not, like Louise to go and do something with it, which is fine. You know, there's certain games and there'll be certain teams where you'll need a player like Dendonka He's going to... when you'll need that sort of old-fashioned midfield destroyer. With Kamara... He looks like he's just got everything to his game in that midfield, and the partnership with Louise, like Tom mentioned, is something that I think we should be really excited about because Louise has, well, for me, I've always, from the moment we signed I mean, him, you've always seen there's a really, really talented footballer there who who's he can pass the ball, he can get forward, he just is so unfortunate that he's been having to be a makeshift holding midfielder for the majority of his Villa career. The best, the best spell of, of football he had before, you know, sort of recently, was that lockdown season. Um, when these, the first half of that, when we were playing like a four-two-three-one, it was him and McGinn. I think were like the two sort of holders, if you like. Yeah, Barkley, Grealish, Trezor Game, sort of the mixture of them. But now I think Louise, the, this formation with like them as sort of like a double pivot, it, it works perfectly because it, it, it allows Louise. He, he can do that, that defensive work, but he's maybe not as disciplined as, as you'd want him to be if he was out on his own. So, by having Kamara alongside him allows Louis to get forward. And like we saw today, you know, he can go get forward and get a goal. And I, I felt watching the game, that like Louise almost wanted. Did he have a bet on him to have a score a goal? Because when he was for the first goal, when he was winding up to shoot, I was thinking, what are you shooting from there for? And then he had the free kick as well, which was like quite far out. And again, I was like, Dougie, come on, seriously, it's not going to happen. But he eventually, got his goal. Um, yeah, it's it's a really really good good partnership. And then sort of like Tom said as well, you've got Ramsey to come back in. McGinn can come into the middle. of it. You know, he's been playing sort of out wide in in a way. There's there's still the uh, the ever enigmatic Morgan Sanson. Will he have a few Will he still be at Villa uh, coming into January? Will we ever see the, the player we think could be there? Um, who knows? And you've got donker who's an option in there as well. Who, who's a very very good footballer and has already shown in the brief uh, you know the few games he's had for Villa well, that that is a very good option. So it's uh it's really good. At, I can't remember the last time we had so many good central midfield options. You know, we've always had maybe one or two, or like, you know, someone a bit further forward, like like you know, Grealish or a Captain Chaos Traore, where you think, you know, there's someone out, you know, in the more attacking elements. But for actually the middle of the park, which is an area ever since well been I mean, for, for quite a long time, but especially since we've been back in the Premier League, I've always felt even in that winning run under Smith in that lockdown season you, you never really felt that we had control of midfield you know it's always very counter-attacking you know get the ball up front to greenish as quick as possible and, and we'll go from there whereas now we've got two players that you, they're capable of you can build out from the back properly with these two players because they're both very comfortable on the ball they can both pass and they can both get stuck in as well so yeah it's a really really exciting times and just praying that uh Louise was taken off as a just a precaution <laughs> with that knee injury
2: today. I th- like I mentioned earlier about Spurs getting frustrated, like quite early on in in the game, and that obviously went re- that worked really well for Villa. That was a, that was a sort of key ingredient in our win today. Was Spurs getting frustrated really early? I really think that Bubakar Kamara alone was a major reason for Spurs getting so frustrated because it struck. It strikes me as you as you watch Kamara play. He must be so, so annoying to play against, like as an opposi- opposition midfielder, like say as Hoiberg today, because he's always like when you're on the ball, like when like Spurs are on the ball, Kamara's like half a step ahead of where you think he's going to be. Like you say, these cleanup tackles, these like just nicking the ball off your feet, like that sort of stuff. Um, he's sort of almost half a yard quicker i don't know if it's about pace or if it's anticipation or positioning but like he gets to the ball and gets to the challenge like half a second quicker than you think he's gonna either as a spectator or as i think someone like hoiberg on the ball and then in possession as like in possession as well he's um what's fantastic about him is that like he can dance he's got great footwork he can dance his way out of tight spaces did it several times um against spurs And then, like you say, it's that thing of having, as a midfielder, having the ability to sort of, like, win a tackle on the edge of your own box. Then there's an on-rushing player coming in to try and win it back off you. You dance away from them. Then you carry the ball forward 20 yards, and then you spray a 30-yard pass. Like, that is the sort of pinnacle of, like, an all-round midfield performance. And, like, Kamara's really got it. I, I just, I don't, I don't know the last time that Villa had, a midfielder who has sort of everything in their locker from one end of the scale to the other. Because like you said, like, Louise has got a lot of it, but he just doesn't have the defensive discipline. Great in a two with Kamara, like you said, side. but I-, I agree with you completely that, like, when when the bulk of that work put on him, he's a little sloppy, like, he's one of those he- who he will maybe win a tackle and then lose the ball and that sort of stuff. Whereas Kamara just doesn't seem to do that. Um, and when you have that in your Arsenal and you have that in the- at the centre of your team, It makes playing as a winger in your team, playing as a striker in your team, playing as a centre back, playing as a full back alongside him, makes all of that easier. He reminds me, like, it's, it's not a great comparison, but I was thinking, do you remember how, like, when Martin Larson used to play at the back and he made every defender who played alongside him look better? That's the kind of vibe I get from Kamara. And so, if you can start building a team around players of that quality, if we can add another, I know January is difficult, but like Emery's going to be itching to sort of like put his stamp even more on this team. If you can add even like one or two more players who are Kamara's quality, you know, in that sort of bracket, we'll, we'll take giant leaps forward. And I just, um, I, I just, I, honestly, I'm literally just excited to watch Villa and watch Bubakar Kamara play again in like four days' time. It's such a lovely feeling to have again.
0: It, it's so weird to be this positive, but regardless, you, you, we beat United. We've had a, a great result against Brighton. Of course, we would have liked things to go a little bit better against Liverpool. But then beating Spurs, like, to be honest, let, let, let's let be real here. Under Stephen Gerrard, especially the way the season was starting, this was uh, not even reality. This, this was probably zero points out of 12. Let's be honest, the way that things were going. And it's brilliant to see, but this has nothing really to do, this question has nothing really to do with this Villa side, but if it's a new year, so of course you want to do a little bit of self-reflection. So I want to do a little bit of quiz with you guys. Maybe this is where we lose people because it has nothing to do with the game itself, but cast your minds back a decade ago. There's 14 midfielders that Villa had for the 2012-2013 season. I'll give you guys each one go. How many can you name? Simon, I'll let you go first as you're the experienced head
2: oh, here. You've just you've just dropped I'm this su- on us, haven't you?
0: Uh, I'm just trying to
1: remember what, what that 2012-20 season. Who is the manager? Like you, you're going to have to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it was Paul Lambert, so keep that in mind. That was it? Was I think it his, was first, it his
1: season. first season? Yes, first season. Yeah, so. Oh God, uh, Fabian Delph. So actually, go- sorry.
0: To adjust this, I won't. I won't say yes or no. I'll just let you list them because if I say yes, and then, oh. then I have, then I have Tom guess that doesn't make any sense. But anyways, that's enough. An I guess point. it now. Or no, Simon, Simon, go ahead. Oh, yeah. right, Simon, Oh God. Um.
1: Jesus Christ. Oh, Alec Mardi. Um.
0: Just, yeah. Just keep keep listening to them, and then I'll let you know.
1: Bakuna, if you count limits as central midfielder, he did play quite a few games there. Let's try to think: Ashley Westwood, uh, Brett Holman, Barry Bannon, and I'm struggling after that.
0: So that was what I think you got. What five or six there? Yeah. Do you want to tap out and give it to Tom? I'm just trying to. Are we? You, <laughs>
1: you clear, are you including January signings?
0: Yeah, the whole year. Oh,
1: why not? I right, <laughs> Yeah, you Kubasilla. I'm pretty sure he came in that window or that that year. Uh, are we just just talking central midfielders, just midfielders, and just, just
0: midfielders walk? in general? I'm being very generous. Just right. compared to what we have now, it, it's. It, I just wanted to look at it when I looked at it when you guys were talking. I thought I I'm
1: pretty sure, up. pretty sure we still had the whole Brighton. Um, in Zogbia is still there. Bloody hell, Charles in Zogbia. <laughs> uh,
0: um, and I, yeah, I think I'm done after that. Okay, fair enough, Tom. Go ahead. See what you can add on to that. Bloody hell! Add on to that. Was uh
2: oh? Was Villa was Villa icon Chris Hurd still at the club that Ooh. year, or was he gone by then?
0: I, I I will tell you at the end. You'll just have to make the list.
2: Um, lamb Lambert's first season. So is this the year of like Ton Alexander Tonev? Like, does he if he's Thank there? You, does was, uh... he, if he's there. Does
0: he count? Um, I don't see him in the forward list. I see Graham Burke, Jordan Bowery, Nelthul D'Alfonso, Simon Dawkins, Vyman, Gabby, Simon Bent. Dawkins? Yep.
2: Oh, that is a tough line. Of that. That's oh. a tough forward line, isn't it?
1: But <laughs> yeah, uh, Petrov's No, Petrov was gone by then, did not he? Ret- Steven Uh I-,
0: I will give you that. Petrov was there, but he retired on May 9th, 2013.
1: I think was Stephen Ireland still there. Was he part of the bomb squads
0: in the Lumber? I think no, Ireland uh, might have still
1: been there. Yeah,
0: you guys are pretty close. So I'll just read it off here because there's only one or few. So, or one or two really left that you haven't. One, you'll completely be like, Oh my god, I completely forgot about this guy. So, of course, the midfield consisted of uh Stephen Ireland, formerly of Manchester City, of course, prior to that. Uh Krim El Amadi came from Feyenoord, and Zogbia came from Wigan. Brighton, of course, came from the Academy. Brett Holman came from, uh, I think it was, what, AZ, A-Z um, which is just odd because he's Australian, but regardless. Um, <laughs> Ashley Westwood came from Crewe. Fabian Dell from Leeds. John McCune <laughs> from Leeds. Oh, my oh
2: yeah, with his jumper. His jumper <laughs> <Yeah. temporary> he <laughs> had on in his interview.
0: That's all I remember about John McCoon. He went <sighs> on loan to Stad Wren. Um, Yuku Basila came from Claremont Foot. Julian Petron from Celtic, Barry Bannon from the Academy, of course, Chris Heard from the Academy, Gary Gardner from the Academy, and we finish with Academy product Samir Carruthers, who is now age 29. Yeah, that was no our de- midfield. Wow. If you want something even worse, the defense consisted of Alan Hutton, Ron Vlar, Richard Dunn, Kieran Clark, Joe Bennett, Enda Stephen, Eric uh, Lehigh, uh, Nathan Baker, Matthew Louton, and Derek Williams. That Richard Dunn being in that defense is a
2: bit mind boggling because I was team I, captain I, b- as well. I I only Jeez. associate him I only associate him with the O'Neal era. That that's yeah. what I realize. Do like you remember late, where Alan Hutton O'Neal. was bombed
0: out to that season? Where who? Alan Hutton. Oh, oh did he yeah. go to Spain? He, he went to Mallorca. <laughs> oh he did, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. What what a what a what a time they say, you know what, we don't want you anymore. Let's send you to Mallorca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bloody, i think he had oh. a loan spell like, at Forest as well. Not some sage. That might be under the leash. I think so too, and of course, just to round it off, because I've listed everybody else, I don't want to leave the goalkeepers out. Of course, we had Shea Given, um, Brad Guzan, Andy Marshall, and Benjamin Seagrist. <laughs> oh, long way, lads. Yeah, yeah, long way. <laughs> So happy New Year, everybody! I just wanted to put that into perspective of how far we have come from absolute shit <laughs> in the hey, last. Do, decade. do
1: you know what though? I I, I do think that's a that is a valid point, mate, though, because you obviously you always want your football club to keep improving and getting better. And, you know, obviously under Gerrard, things were going really, really dreadfully. So, you, you know, you can, you can understand the real frustration there. But you look at where the club is now, you look at the, the squad of players we've got, you look at the manager we've got, you look at the owners we've got. You've got twenty eight thousand. My my dad's uh, put himself and one of my nieces and one of my nephews on the waiting list for season tickets. The other week, it's twenty eight thousand people ahead of him. Twenty eight wow. thousand on the waiting exciting. list that is for incredible. season tickets at Aston Villa. When you look at where we were ten years ago, with the manager, the owner, the squad of players, you know, not being able to fill the stadium, and you know, unless it's for like a derby game or something, that's. This, we've come a hell of a long way. Like, and I don't think that, I really think that sometimes when, you know, if we have a bad result and you see fans on social media, you know, going over the top with their, like, anger and frustration and you think, mate, just look at where we've been at stages yeah. over the last 10 years and look where we are now and, you know, pull <laughs> pull, your, pull your head out of your ass at times, you know, yeah. sort of appreciate what's, what's actually happening at the club.
2: It was really, it was really illustrated for me, like going back to the UK over uh, over Christmas and going back to Villa again, because that's my first game in nearly four years. Um, the last game I was at nearly four years ago, we were tenth in the championship and we lost two 0 at home to the Baggies in like a half-empty ground. So, like, I sort of made the joke as I came out, like, "Oh, something's never changed." Like going to Villa, we lost or whatever, but like, we were really competitive with an excellent Liverpool team. We've got a team full of internationals, you know. Like it is, it's difficult because they say they. they see, I see a lot of fans say that some fans spend too long, too much time looking backwards. But I think you sort of have to look backwards to appreciate where you're at, right, and where you're hoping to go. And, and this so list a, was a good example. <laughs> that was, was a very good example. Yeah. So, so honestly, just uh, the upward tra- trajectory. We had a bit of a wobble, didn't we, with Gerard? But just long may it continue, and it looks like. I, I I sort of couldn't. Very early days, like we say with Emery or whatever. But then, it's just everything. It's the results. It's the performances. It's the general attitude around the club from the players and from, dare I say it, from fans as well. Um, everyone's sort of on board, right? And United, long may it continue, man. Yeah, oh, I mean, you cons- talk about the,
1: the, the performances. I was just going to say. So you know, we we hadn't had an away win all season. Barred the opening forty seconds against Brighton, you know he obviously gave away that silly goal. The last two away performances have, have been absolute masterclasses and perfect away performances from teams. The way we we've uh, seen the games out and the organisation that we've had is absolutely
0: incredible. Absolutely, the one thing I will say before I get back onto that, this makes me feel old. Simon Dawkins is now thirty-five, still playing. He's playing for uh, where is it? Here is at Monterey Bay. Who are uh based in California for, for the USL. Um, very interesting career, of course, since Villa. Uh Darby, San Jose Earthquakes, Ipswich, and now Monterey Bay, where he scored one goal in the 26th appearance. So, Simon, if you're listening somehow, I uh, I hope you're doing well. And we're we are not taking the piss out of you. We'll it's have just, to uh, reflecting.
2: We'll have to call this episode the rabbit hole, because that's where we've gone, in it?
0: <laughs> well, you know what? It's been a while since we've all kind of chatted to each other. So why not have a longer, nonsensical? view on villa's past present and future because the one thing i do want to bring up of course um next would be just a little bit of a preview into wolves because of course it's on wednesday i doubt we'll have a preview out prior to then but before we do i do want to just go on twitter of course we do do our three word reviews tweet us at 7500 to post match usually that goes out the post does i should say uh five to 15 minutes post match get involved Uh, we didn't do it after the Liverpool result because to be honest, I forgot. I was a little annoyed and I hadn't done a pod for a month. So I, to be honest, I completely forgot how to even edit or record things. As Simon, I ended the call instead of just ending the recording session on the last one and looked like a right idiot. But regardless of that, let's go over to, uh, we'll start with uh, at Corbin underscore Conover saying Kamara is class. A Donovan Mings tops today um gjhutv saying wasn't expecting that uh jeff summers bloody fan tactics um mpw happy new year happy new year to you as well um nigel edwards unai Emery masterclass uh jazz singh trust in unai yelling at me basically in all caps fair enough that's how i feel as well uh simon palmer nine from 12 and let's do two more because why not um we'll go to every time i see this guy tweet me i just love it winky avfc maybe because i'm a i don't know just immature and i see that word uh full team performance and let's finish with uh andrew donald saying never in doubt i think that's a good way to finish that. And I'll throw it to Tom here to put him in the high, the hot seat, not the high seat. I don't know what that would be Uh, more so for a toddler more than anything, but Tom, who would your man of the match be? Please save me. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. (laughs) Uh, For me, for me, it's between two, like honorary mentions
2: to uh, honorary mention to Ashley Young, definitely. But for me, it's got to be either Kamara or Louise. And I'd probably go with Kamara just because I think like, um, Without him, we're not able to control that game in the way that we controlled that game today. Um, and I thought it was excellent both ends of the pitch, like completely created the, you know, obviously we had Begin's excellent assist and stuff, but like that second goal doesn't get scored without Kamara. Without Kamara, we may well concede. We certainly give up more chances. Um, and without Kamara, we don't control that midfield in the same way that we did. So uh, honestly, I think it's one of his best performances in a Villa shirt so far. Absolutely. Simon, how about you?
1: Uh, it's, yeah, similar to Tom really. I mean, sort of Ashley Young obviously deserves a special mention. I I, I thought Tyron Mings actually had a really good game. He, he had an awful lot up against him to do with Kane, but I, I think I think he he nullified anything that Kane had at all. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a toss-up between Kamara and and Louise. And like I think I'll go with Louise just purely because he got the goal that that sort of sealed the win. But you know, if if you gave it to Kamara, I don't think anyone would have any complaints. I thought the two of them completely controlled that midfield from start to finish, and and you know were these springboards for us getting this win today. So, oh yeah, I'll go with Dougie.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Kamara as well. Like Tom said, I I think a lot of opportunities wouldn't have happened without him being able to close down the ball, kind of tighten things up. And I mean, the man is just an absolute rock in that midfield. And who would have thought Villa with an actual competent defensive midfielder, no offense to Dougie, but just a true out-and-out one that we've been crying for, for really as long as a decade at least, um, were actually pretty decent when we put them in a system that succeeds. So that's all I want to say to that but let's just talk about wolves on wednesday of course they've lost to united on the weekend they're sitting uh not so comfortably this season i think what their second bottom uh yes they are uh 17 games played minus 16 goal differential 13 points of course they're only um really three points off of 14th lead so there's a little bit of um interchanging that'll probably go on over the next couple weeks but Tom, you have to feel confident about going into this game, even if it's a bit of a rivalry, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I'm not going to say that. I, I'm not going to say that I necessarily um, expect us to win, sort of as a given. But given the way that we're playing, given the results that Wolves are getting and their position, like it is a game that I would certainly hope that we win. I wouldn't change very much, like we talked about. I'd bring if if Emery deems Emery Martinez ready to come back in. I would bring him back in because he is as 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 solid as Olsen was against Spurs. Like you're definitely going to bring Martinez back in, aren't you, whenever he's ready. Um apart from that, I wouldn't I wouldn't really change very much. Um try and get Bailey maybe a little bit more. Not that Bailey wasn't involved against Spurs, but like maybe home game against Wolves. The onus is probably going to be on us to break Wolves down rather than us uh, sort of like nullifying Spurs' midfield and then sort of trying to control the game from the defensive third, I guess. Um, so maybe a couple of tweaks, but I wouldn't change very much at all personnel-wise. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing... It's going to be an, it's an interesting one because having had Liverpool... Having had United before the break, having had Liverpool, having had Spurs, I'm sort of interested to see now how an Emery Villa with two months or whatever it is now behind it in terms of like coaching on the pitch and that and that sort of stuff i'm interested to see how we look against a team who we will be looking to dominate in possession at home it's a bit of a sort of different challenge to what we've seen for the last few games so uh yeah i'm just uh just excited to watch to watch unai
0: ball again to be honest it's so weird to see everybody this positive but regardless i'm just gonna soak it in and simon i'll throw it your way of course because It's going to be interesting to see how this is managed against Wolves, then going into Stevenage, of course. I feel like almost there's that unsettled pressure against Stevenage because, one, you don't want to lose against a lower tier side. That's the first and foremost. And, of course, Unai Emery is supposed to be this master um, cup competitor tactician too. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he kind of balances that out, isn't it?
1: Yeah, especially going into this game because it, this is probably the first game that we'll have under Emery, where I think we're going in as sort of clear favourites to win the game. You know, even if you look at Brighton away, you'd have had bright bright would have been favourites to win that game. So, like Tom said, I think it's, it'd be interesting to see how we approach a game where the onus is on us to to go out and, and beat the opposition. I I mean, it's it's a game that I, I think we should be going in with full belief that that we'll win it. You know, Wolves have been pretty pretty dreadful this season where we've been playing very well now under Emery. Um, So, yeah, but I I, I would expect us to go and win that game. Um, I'm not saying that it's going to be easy or anything, but it's a game that that I think that that we should go and win. Um, If Martinez is ready, I'd expect him to come back in. I I would imagine that if there's going to be a change, that would probably be the only change I think you go into it with you know we've had basically a week since the Liverpool games to Tottenham games. So it's, it's not like previous sort of Christmas New Year's when you've had like four games in eight days. You know the the players shouldn't be knackered like so they. I think they can go into the Wolves game, be pretty much the same starting lineup, and then against Stevenage, you can make not wholesale changes, but you can make maybe four or five changes to that team, and you're not really you know weakening it massively, and and so you can go and get past them. Um, so yeah, I, I reckon probably same starting lineup with Martinez in goal if if he's ready to. And yeah, looking forward to to seeing seeing how we play.
0: Well, as long as it's not like how we played against Wolves last season and we just absolutely give it away at the end, I'll be very happy. That that's the first and foremost. Let's so not start that poor run because everything soon uh, fell apart and it wasn't much fun after that. But. Finally, guys, I don't want to keep you guys for too much longer. And I know this is a longer pod for the listeners. But like I said, we really haven't had too much content to go out with the World Cup, of course, and all that kind of stuff. But for the stuff we did um, have out then, I hope you guys um, did enjoy it. But of course, we do have, like I said, Wolves on Wednesday, Stevenage on Sunday, January 8th. Then we have Leeds um, January 13th. And then we finish the month before a... uh, Obviously, probably the next round of the FA Cup, which will be announced shortly after the weekend. You would imagine we play Southampton on January 21st. So, all teams below us, all teams that were expected to be the favorites against. So, Tom, I'm going to throw you in the hot seat first once again. How many points do you think we're getting out of our next three Premier League fixtures? Um,.
2: That's, like, no my, least, my <laughs> least favorite thing to do this is this predict filler um how many points for my next three i'm gonna go like i mean i'm feeling very optimistic can't bring myself to be extremely optimistic so i'm gonna say I, I think i think it's well within our capability to get seven points and i would think i i would i would happily take if we can put together a bit of an unbeaten run now that's my main thing now it's not so much like winning every game or whatever but just like let keep putting those building blocks in places and try and put together and it's become hard to beat again, do you know what I mean? Because we feel like we're kind of there already. So I'll say seven. Um, we'll see. <laughs> Simon, how about you?
1: I'm going to go balls out positivity and say we're getting nine points from them. <laughs> I mean, I know this is Venus, so that would mean four Premier League game wins in a row, which is, is very, very unlikely to happen. But just the way, the way that we seem to be playing at the moment and the teams we're coming up against is I know football doesn't work like this, but it's hard to see how we don't win those games because Wolves have been really, really, I mean, Wolves is probably the only game as, you know, as much as I've just been sacking them off, saying how poor they've been this season. <laughs> I and mean, that's probably the one game where I think if there's a, a, a an opportunity to drop points or like other dropping points, it might be that. But Leeds and Southampton, you know, I've watched them all season and I've I don't want to jinx it, but but they are two really really bad teams. You, you just you give up so many chances, and we're starting to create chances. You know, not not so much today, but the previous three games certainly we creating chances. So yeah, just be positive. I'm going yeah, nine points out of the uh, the next three.
0: Well, as the editor, I feel like I'm gonna s- slightly cop out of this one with a little bit of context. If we beat Wolves, it's nine from nine. I'm going to say that because I just feel like that's, like you said, Simon, the biggest hurdle for me. Uh, I don't know what mentally it is. I feel like with the opportunities, if we can take them against Southampton and against Leeds, I think that's massive. So I feel like this is against my better judgment, but I'm just going to go completely delirious and join the nine from nine train because you know what? Life's too short. We're Villa fans, so life is definitely too short to enjoy. A very good thing so let's just go four from four happy days we've beaten steven and just well throw them in there in the next round and we go into february and we're just absolute world beaters. so you know what let's let's just enjoy it but anyways think oh tom did you want to say something i was just
2: gonna say who says that football fans get carried away
0: uh well (laughs) not, not us we're we're very formal uh predictable and uh we keep things short and sweet but uh Nonetheless as much of a joke as what I just said as that is we'll uh, we'll leave things there We'll uh, turn our mics off and leave you guys alone. Thank you very much for listening to us. Thank you very much to Simon and Tom for joining me. Of course, find us on Twitter. You can find Simon at Cy O'Regan, Tom at TD Nightingale. Find myself, Cole Petum at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. Check out the um, website, www7500 holtcom of course. And if you want to email us any questions, anything you want us to put on the podcast always open to reading and sharing those Holtcast at gmail.com but anyways we'll be back post wolves and don't forget uh, the door. up the